Don't call it a comb back. I'll have hair for years. Wake up in the morning feeling like P. Diddy. Hey, what up, girl? Grab my glasses. I'm out the door. I'm gonna hit this city. Let's Before go. I leave, brush my teeth with a bottle of Jack. Cause when I leave for the night, I ain't coming back. I'm talking. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. Do you like I, a hiccup I, or a burp and you try to swallow it? That's what we were doing there. This is the press box. <laughs> some guy some guy heard that yesterday. It took him two two minutes to tweet. He thought it was a soda can. I said, come on, it's eight in the morning. With Grady and Bischoff. Jared, you say that like the quality of these shows have been good since we've been doing it for yes, full anyway. Jared. Come on. On ESPN Las Vegas. Both have our water in the morning. Both love water bottles. ESPN 1100, 100.9 FM. It's Ed, Tyler, Jared. Go ahead, my friend. Let's talk Raiders. The first bite. Didn't know that was my cue. Yes. <laughs> Do players want to play for John Gruden? Cues uh, can be uh, different, but uh, <laughs> I, I have no idea half time what I'm saying when we lead off there. But um, I don't know. I mean, I guess, Tyler, if you're on the team and they're paying you, you might want to play for him. But once you leave and someone else is paying for you, obviously you don't want to play for the guy anymore. Hello, Trent Brown. Yeah, we and we've heard, <laughs> we haven't heard anything specific on Gruden, which I, I think is a important thing to point out here is that nobody has walked away from the Raiders and said, "Man, I no. hated playing for John Gruden." But Trent Brown yesterday talked about how it wasn't a good fit and about how the Patriots jersey is one he's been the most proud to wear. Obviously, Trent Brown was happy when he was leaving the Raiders to go back to New England. We've seen a similar thing from uh, Rodney Hudson when when he reportedly asked to be released by the Raiders. Uh, Gabe Jackson was happy to leave here. Um, even Antonio Brown was happy to leave here. He was asking for his release a couple of years ago uh, during his saga. So it's, it's like all the good players that are here, once they leave, they're they're happy to leave. They're happy to go. Yeah. And I don't know. It, it's just a weird, it's a weird scenario where John Gruden a few years ago says players want to play for the silver and black and the Raiders have signed free agents, but almost all of them seem to not work out. And then when they do end up releasing or trading these guys, we hear something along the lines of how they're happy to leave or they're happy or happier where they're going now. And it seems pretty genuine from these players. Yeah, uh, not only players that played there, but uh, took Chris Long one workout to say, I got to get back on the plane. <laughs> so uh, it might not only be players play there, but players who think they want to play there. I, no, I don't, I'm with you. I've not heard it's Gruden. I, I don't know. I mean, when this team got here, what was the kind of the almost a cliche? Well, who wouldn't want to play in Vegas? Look at all that Vegas has and the strip and the nightclubs and players are going to love that. And, you know, no state tax and all the things that people said, well, they're going to want to play here. I heard it from media. I heard it from, you know, fans, everything. I don't know if everyone fits in that, you know, in that box. Uh, and they think that this is the greatest place in the world. I know that kind of bugs people out there that live here. But, you know, Trent Brown, look, we're going to play Trent Brown, uh, I think some voice or some audio of him in the remix. But, look, he had some issues here, too. Um, and I'm not going to say it's all the Raiders. Um, I don't think he was a fit for a lot of reasons, and a lot of it had to do with him, Tyler. So, you know, I'm not going to say it's the Raiders, especially with him. Other players, I'm not so sure, but with him specifically, you know, he had he had his problems where he didn't, I don't think, lived up to 
being the highest paid offensive lineman in history. Oh, he absolutely did not. I mean, no, no doubt about it. He did not live up to that. That was a relationship that, I don't know, didn't work after year one at all. Did it work in year one? Right. I don't know if it, I don't, I don't know even know if it, know if it did. Year one. But like, it didn't work after year one for sure. And it's definitely, on. I mean, Trent Brown and the Raiders both deserve blame for that. I mean, how Trent Brown yes. last year, like didn't play in any games. Apparently people were questioning it, but on the same side, the Raiders also uh, had an air bubble and an IV they were giving him at one point. So <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> it's not like the Raiders are free from blame in the Trent Brown scenario. We did have yesterday, Kenyon Drake was on with uh, Sirius Radio, and he was talking about joining the Raiders, and the reason he wanted to join the Raiders, at least what he said yesterday, he went to the mystique of the Raiders and how it's a cool team and this classic silver and black, right? So he didn't really ever mention Gruden, by the way, Matt, either. But he, so there, there is still some level of people do want to play for the Raiders. People do look at the Raiders and say, yeah, I'd love to go play there. I think also Kenyon Drake might not have gotten that contract offer from any other team. Right, But right. there is a level of, hey, people do want to play for the Raiders. I think it's more concerning, though, how many good players leave this team or want to leave this team. And when they do, they walk away saying, yeah, I'm, I'm much happier now that I'm outside of the Raiders organization. Well, I mean, with Trent Brown, I don't know if he should bring the Raiders or the uh, ER people at a Cleveland hospital. They're administering IVs. I mean, um, did he get, he got the IV in Cleveland, right? Yeah, it was in Cleveland. Do we know who gave it to him? Was it, was it that's not what we're team? not sure. Trainer? That's what okay. we're not sure if it's team okay. or, or where he got, but it was a faulty <laughs> IV. Um, and I, I guess I should take that back about Cleveland hospitals. I, I might end up in Cleveland one day and you know, who knows what's going to happen. Um, somebody, yeah, are you worried I mean, there's somebody yes, in Cleveland yes, listening yes. to the show yes. and they're going to be like, listen, listen, I heard you three years ago, <laughs> yes. trash talking our, our hospitals yeah. here. We're not going to treat you. Sorry, Ed Graney, you have to die. Listen, We've got people in Australia listening in. Cleveland's not that far away. Um, yeah, I mean, Kenyon Drake, I think you hit on that. I mean, he came here. He probably got a deal that others wouldn't give him. So, yeah, he's happy. Let's see if he remains happy as the Joker. And if he's getting the ball enough as the Joker, that'll probably remain happy or not. But, I look, I don't think – I think this is with every team in probably every league. There's probably guys that think they're good fits places – and they get there, and for whatever reason, whether it's their fault, because I'm going to put, like I said, I'm going to go back to putting a lot of blame on Trent Brown for why it didn't work out here, or they're not fits. I mean, it's, look, I wrote about Kevin Kruger today in the paper about the transfer portal. There'll be a thousand more kids in the transfer portal. Everyone's always looking for the right fit, and often they don't know that they're already in the right fit, and they move, and they're like, oh, it wasn't as bad as it was there. But it, I think the Raiders fall under that category that, you know, you're just going to have guys who, for whatever reason, no matter how much money they make, are not happy, whether it's their situation, whether it's the town, whether it's where they live, their family. So I, I, I'll say the Raiders are probably not any different than anyone else where you're always going to have guys questioning whether it's the best place to be. Something else we had yesterday was a story from Paul Gutierrez on Yannick Ngakwe. And yeah. John Gruden gave this quote. He has experience in our system with our defensive coordinator. And I think he's at a time in his career where he can help lead our young defense. Do you think Yannick Ngakwe is a is a leader? You think they got the right guy to be a leader on the defense? I'm going to have to uh, trust Gruden and his quote. I do, I have no idea if Yannick Ngakwe is going to be a good leader. I think, like Paul said yesterday, he is their best option at that position now, and they've upgraded with him. That doesn't necessarily mean 
he's a great leader. I don't know. Maybe he is. I think I heard the same things, and you heard the same things last year about Corey Littleton. Uh, that Corey Littleton was like a three or four guy, third or fourth guy with the Rams. He played with Donald. So once he became like the premier guy on a defense and he didn't wasn't playing any with shadows, he was going to be the leader. I think Corey Littleton struggled with his play too much last year to really be a leader. It was more about what, what's wrong with him, and he was trying to get himself right. So I think it'd be great for them if Yannick Ngakwe is as good a leader as they say he is. I mean, let me ask you this. After last year, like who is the leader on the defense? I don't even know what the answer to that question. Yeah, that's uh, who is the leader. I don't know because I'll, I'll give I don't you either. This, I'll give you this quote from January fourth this year: "The greatness in Littleton is yet to be seen as a Raider. He can be a leader. He can be a centerpiece." From was that last Gruden? Year, that was Gruden from last year in May on yeah. Littleton and Nick Kwiatkowski. Yeah, he's going to be the lead singer now. He's the leader of the band. So. John Gruden every offseason, whoever they sign, declares that guy the leader of the defense. So maybe it's just him talking again. But here's here's the thing on Yannick Ngakwe. The Raiders are his fourth different NFL team in seven months. Mm-hmm. Ngakwe has talked about that since signing with the Raiders. And he, he basically chalked it up to, eh, it wasn't a great fit at the other three stops, which... Okay, I can buy that there's not great fits. We, we see that with the, with the Raiders and yeah. players that leave. But I do find it a little hard to believe that if it's not a great fit at three different places in the space of seven months, that it's the teams that are the problem and that there's not some issue with the player. Like, if there's three different teams that have no real problem moving on from you in less than a year, I think that's, a, that's something you've got to look at and say, okay, what, what is going on here? And to declare that player a leader is probably not an ideal way to go about finding a leader on your defense. Yeah, and on that sense, um, I don't know. I mean, I guess it goes, it might go hand in hand in some people's minds, but when you change teams that much, is it more that, look, you're just not the player we thought or you weren't fitting the scheme as well? Because, you know, the leadership, look, you could be a great leader, and if you can't play, they'll move on from you. I mean, they're going to take, you know, I would hope Gruden would take a guy, you know, who would lead his team in sacks and be a great Russian, which they haven't had, and he can look for leadership elsewhere. I mean, so they first they want players, and I think that was the most disappointing thing about Littleton last year. If you ask Gruden, I'm sure, what was the most disappointing thing about Littleton? I would assume if he was candid, he'd say, well, his play, he wasn't that good, instead of, well, he wasn't the leader we thought he'd be. <laughs> I mean, because if you're no good, they're going to get they're gonna move on. I mean, the leadership thing in their back of their minds, well, we'll find someone to do that, but we need players. So... I think their first concern with uh, Ngakwe and, and Littleton and all these guys is can they play? But I, I'm trying to think. I'm, I'm with you. I'm trying to think who in the world is the leader last year. Maybe Kwiatkowski. Maybe him because you know he was good in parts. I, but I again, I, I, you know, the other thing is us not being uh, us in the media not being the COVID year was a lot. If you're not around the team in the locker room, whatever, and you're not like talking to people, it's really hard to get a sense who's the leader anywhere. Like, you can't really do that on Zooms when they decide who you're going to talk to. So if you're asking me or you or anyone, I don't think we could pinpoint a leader. You know, I guess you say Carr on offense just because he's the quarterback. But anyone else in that team, I don't know. You know, the funny thing is a lot of people said one of the biggest leaders in that team was Rodney Hudson. And, he got, and they got rid of him. <laughs> so, you know, if you want leaders, why are you getting rid of the guy, the one guy everyone says is a leader? <laughs> I would have to guess defensively. We'd ne- it ha- it would have to be Kwiatkowski just by default because yeah. he was the one that um, wore the green dot was communicating with the coaches through his helmet. I that would be my guess if you're if you're trying to find a, a leader on defense. But you know, but 
Kwiatkowski played like the entire season last year and they weren't very good on defense and apparently they're still looking for leadership on defense. Right. So I, yeah, I mean, if you, if you want to find a leader, I mean, hell John Gruden probably thinks Jonathan Abrams, the leader of the defense. Like they're probably well. hoping that Abrams, the one that's out there <laughs> leading them based on the way, like, God, they, I mean, they love the way he plays and he yeah. was awful last year, but they can, love it. Can you be a leader and take your own guys out? Yes. That, that's well, thinks, I mean, though. have, have you just, ever Tom Brady on the sideline, he's always yelling at his own players. <laughs> Jonathan Abrams just but, taking it to the next level. I mean, taking the next level, physically taking them out instead of just yelling at them. Um, I Boy, if they said Jonathan Abrams at this point in his career, I mean, you know, I think they're hoping he's going to get better and what they've talked about in terms of what he needs to improve. But at this very point, oh, I mean, they, they need Ngakwe to be the leader then because I just I think Jonathan Abrams is the guy who really needs to work on his game instead of, you know, kind of worrying about, hey, I mean, and the, the other thing is, like, you know, we talked about Aaron Donald. There's, I'm sure there's guys in the league that if you're going to be a leader, you you need to be a player because guys in the locker room, they know who can play and who can't or who's playing well or not. So it's really hard to be a leader and not a really good player. Like, I would think that that's really difficult. So on defense, hey, you know, put all the names in the hat and pick one out until someone emerges. So are you suggesting Jason Witten was not a leader last year because he wasn't any good? He's a great leader because they didn't give him enough opportunity. Big <laughs> Wit give him. He didn't get enough opportunity. <laughs> That's right. Yes, you're right. Big Wit was a great. Big Wit is now leading young men at a high school in Texas. Who did they get? They got Big Wit to lead young minds and young men and, and form them into great citizens and men in life. You heard it here first from Ed Grady. <laughs> Jason Witten was underused yes, last year by the Raiders. He didn't get enough snaps. No, he did not. Field. All right. Coming up next, the Golden Knights are back in action, and they finally play a good team again, the Colorado Avalanche. Theodore to Carlson in the slot. To the right point again, Theodore. Walks left. The lefty drifting. Carlson in the circle. Up high. One-time shot. Tipped in. It's Stone with the tipping goal. 5-1 Vegas. Another power play goal. Three points for Mark Stone. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. Be part of the conversation on the Finley Kia text line at 69187. Finley Kia. Come see a Kia on West Sahara. The Golden Knights will play the Colorado Avalanche tonight. A massive two-day break for the Golden Knights this week before they jump right back into playing every other day or even every single day in some instances. But they play the Avalanche tonight. The Avalanche, uh, they did have their win streak snapped the other night, but they are one of the hotter teams in the NHL. So it's a matchup of the top two teams in the West. But I'm, I'm curious how much uh, credence you put into this thought. Uh, Sinbin.Vegas has a story that basically calls the West Division a mid-major conference in hockey. And the logic here is that seven teams did not make the playoffs last season because they expanded to 24. And three of those seven teams are in the West. So nearly half of the teams that were so bad they couldn't make a 24-team playoff format are in the same division as the Golden Knights. And 53% of the Golden Knights' points this year have come against a team that did not make the playoffs last season and for comparison to some other teams across the league only 12 percent of tampa bay's only 14 percent of boston's only 17 percent of toronto's points have come against one of those teams 
that did not make the playoffs. So you get the two good teams in the in the West tonight, but I'm curious, do you think the schedule is going to hurt the Golden Knights that they're beating up on some of the bad teams and once they get to the playoffs and if they get through Colorado in the second round, they're going to play a team and it's like, oh, wow, we didn't play a good team all year. Oh, it's a great question because they are so bad and we've talked about it all year about just, you know, when we talk to Pete DeBoer, hey, Pete, you finally get to play a good team. What do you think? Because um, you just <laughs> played horrible teams. Um it could. We've talked about this. This is the one thing that kind of hurts uh, the teams, and not just the Golden Knights, but this kind of schedule only staying in divisions. You don't get a first-hand look. You can look at people on tape. I'm sure someone like DeBoer could watch Tampa Bay or Toronto, whoever on on, on you know on a, you know in a game and, and understand how good they are, uh, and he could do that. But until you're on the ice with people, you don't know. So unlike you know previous years, you pretty much see everyone at least once or twice, and you can kind of get a feel for all right. That's going to be a bad matchup. Why, you know, what happened there? So, yeah, if you're telling me they get through the their division and all of a sudden, I don't know whether it's Tampa, or I don't know how they're going to do the four or Toronto, and they really struggle or get eliminated. I mean, I, and here's the thing. That's the, the reverse side. If, if the Golden Knights go and eliminate one of those really good teams, I wouldn't be surprised either. Because until you play someone or get on the ice with them, it's, it's impossible to tell. So that's the one thing about this schedule I think hurts everybody that's a contender. I mean, not the bad teams, but anyone who's a contender right now is like, what do we do if we match up with them? Well, you won't know until you match up with them. And then in a seven-game series, if, you don't really, if you're not really prepared, it could go pretty fast. I think the good news for the Golden Knights is that they do get to play Colorado. And, and like you said, we don't see cross-division matchups, so we don't really know if we should be considering the top teams in every division the top teams in the league, because maybe one division just sucks, but... I think it's pr- it's pretty fair to say Colorado and Vegas are two really good teams. Like, they yeah. are two legitimate cup contenders. So when they play each other, I think it's fair to say the Golden Knights are getting the matchup with a legitimate Stanley Cup contender. Contender, So sure. that that is the, the good news. Now, the problem is, after Colorado, you have two decent teams in Minnesota and St. Louis, but I don't think anybody's looking at Minnesota or St. Louis and thinking, oh, that's a team that's going to make it to the Stanley Cup final. And then after those two, you got four teams that are just really bad really in bad. this division. So while, yes, they get to play Colorado, and I think that helps because you do get to play another team that should be a legitimate contender, the rest of your games are not really against the, the best teams, right? Whoever, if the Golden Knights right. get out of the West, the Western part of the playoffs into the semifinals – only one of the teams they played all season will be comparable to the level of team they play, whether it's sure. you know, Tampa Bay or Toronto or whoever it ends up being. It's not going to be the same level they've played all season. So I think there's a chance it could hurt them, but the good news is is more than likely they'll have to beat Colorado in the second round, and that should be a pretty, a pretty good battle between two teams that are actually good, even if we're not exactly sure how good everybody in the league is this year. Yeah. Yeah, I mean they're just gonna they're just gonna have to wait and yeah, look. I mean get as healthy as they can and the you know the key is gonna be we'll talk to Darren Millard here at eight thirty. I mean they have to answer questions who the goalie's gonna be. Uh, this lineup Petrangelo's still hurt, Pacioretty's hurt. I mean there's a lot of time left, but they do seem to kind of get nicked up and injured. And you know we're gonna talk about Glass here. So I think for them, you know their main concern should be everyone's healthy when the playoffs start and you're playing your best and you see what happens. I mean they should get out of the West. I mean. I say that, and yet even if the first round's Minnesota, we saw what happened with Dallas last year. I mean, Minnesota's given them issues. I mean, no one can watch those games and not say, could you, you know, would it be unfathomable to believe that Minnesota could upset them in six or seven? No. 
So they got to worry about that first. And then if they get to the four, I guess it's just the most prepared team. I mean, they're not the first time they're going to see him is in game one, whenever that is and wherever that is. So on Cody Glass, uh, he skated at morning skate yesterday as an extra, which would imply he's not going to be in the lineup tonight when they play Colorado. Um, That would be the second straight game and third of four that he will have been a healthy scratch. And that is despite Max Pacioretty likely to miss again because of injury. We've talked about Cody Glass. We've talked about him being scratched. Uh, But what do you make of Cody Glass and his inability to even just get in the lineup at this point in the season? There is something that we're missing and maybe Darren can help us. I don't know. I mean, you know, obviously the, all the, all the, all the things we've read and you talked about with the numbers and struggling five on five and all of that. And, you know, he's better, obviously, when he plays good players, but there's something we're missing. I don't know why, because we've talked about it. We went into this season saying, hey, this is a huge season for him. He's got to prove and supplant himself, you know, in that lineup at some, you know, at some level in that lineup because he was a six pick overall. You know, this many years have passed. So we're missing something or he's just not as good as they thought at this point. I don't know what it is. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to guess because that's not fair if you, if you don't know. But you start being healthy scratched at this point in a career, um, I think there's issues. And, again, it says, I mean, he's young. He's got to have, like you say here, does he have not enough energy? I mean, he should have more energy than anyone. I mean, especially at his age and, and the position he's in trying to, you know, make a mark on this, on this franchise and this team. So I'll be interested to ask Darren. I don't know what the answer is, but there's obviously an issue with him because if he's doing what they want, and he's the sixth pick overall, and you see him as a part of the foundation of the future, he's playing. And so there's something wrong here. It's not like you'd say there'd be a guessing on Cody Glass. If he's doing what they want as good as they thought he was, then he'd be in the lineup. He wouldn't be healthy scratch. This is not a guy who was a free agent or someone you picked up, you know, you know, know, for the development camp, and he he sort of made your team. This was the first pick in the history of of the franchise. So I don't know why he's not playing. Yesterday, Pete DeBoer was asked a a general question about what goes into scratching guys and playing certain guys. And the word he brought up was energy, that it's about what what energy those guys have. And so that's just just Cody Glass not having enough energy. Like, he wasn't talking specifically about Glass. But is that is that the that's the only guy that you're looking at right now as a healthy scratch and saying, oh, why isn't he in? So. Is, is he the one that doesn't have energy? And that would be, I don't know, that's a bizarre thing to cite because, uh, you know. Energy, How can't I, he have energy unless there's something physically wrong with him? Yeah, I don't that know. He's does, too young. That doesn't make it, sense. It doesn't make He, he doesn't get enough rest. <laughs> he doesn't get enough naps. They love naps. Yeah. He has, they need he has to give him some time his, off. He hasn't perfected his pregame napping schedule yet. Once he gets that down, he's going to take off. Have, take have off. you ever been? Have you ever covered a sport more than they literally, without being asked, just mention naps? <laughs> no. It's always like, well, we got a morning skate in. The guy's got a nap in, and they can. It's. I've never been around a sport. I'm sure other athletes and other NBA, especially these teams that play all year and they're always on the road, nap. But hockey players have two things more than anyone: nicknames and naps. Like no, in no other sport do I hear uh, nicknames or naps more than hockey. I feel like also though hockey players have like nine children each. Like as soon as you make the NHL, you're gifted four extra children that you're just like, okay, I guess I got to take care of these. So the naps are really important. <laughs> Thank God I'm not an NHL player. That'd be a disaster. Oh, All right, coming up next, David Roth joins the show. I'm coaching until I can't win anymore.
You know, I've said that for 10 or 15 years. I remember my AD a long time ago, I was 60, said, well, you're going to get out pretty soon, aren't you? I mean, and I said, well, no, I, I'm not really thinking about that. And I'm not thinking about it now. If we can win, I feel great. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Greeny and Tyler Bischoff. Joining us now is David Roth from The Defector. You can get a free month of Stitcher Premium if you go to stitcherpremium.com and use the promo code DISTRACT and listen to the Distraction Podcast with uh, Drew McGarry and David Roth. And David, I've been I've been told that on your podcast recently, you uh, mentioned but did not explain that you interviewed Eric Musselman and you think he was on a treadmill while you talked to him? He was definitely on a treadmill. I think I may have even asked him, uh, like, are you on a treadmill? And he was like, yeah, you know. Like I, uh, this was many years ago. I think he was possibly coaching in the NBA at the time, and I was working at the Wall Street Journal, getting paid like fifty dollars a blog. And I needed a quote from him, and like got in touch through somebody in the front office, and they were like, "Yeah, Coach Musselman can fit you in at a time that I remember being like just as a lazy person, being like, well, that's a little early, but sure, all right, fine. Like I'll get up <laughs> at eight thirty and be ready to talk on the phone my time." And he was most definitely like mid-workout, like and had that sort of college coach energy that there aren't like people in normal life that are like this. Like you don't ever like go to Quiznos and like somebody toasting your sandwich is like I've been up since five. Like I like to burpees, but that's uh, that's who Eric Musselman is. That's why he's uh, where he is. So, so you mean to tell me that nobody at Quiznos jumps up on the counter to salute the fans after making a great sandwich like Eric Musselman? I would really appreciate that. I think, honestly, more uh, anything that incorporates more basketball-themed celebrations in a sandwich setting. Like, if I were at uh, getting a sandwich made and someone threw a bunch of lettuce in there, like LeBron with the talc before an NBA game, I'd be pumped. <laughs> so, so this was on the phone? Yes. Okay, so there's no chance, or do you look back now and really hope like he had a headband on and no shirt, because he seems to always have his shirt off. I feel like if he had it, maybe that's something that he needs to do to get prepared for an interview to like do his process, tie a bandana on like Rambo and, and Rambo too. Yes. But I don't, yeah, it's uh, everybody's got their own different way of doing that. I'm not going to pretend that I'm, uh, you know, wearing a shirt right now. That's, I can't do an interview. Wearing one. It's not myself. David Roth with us here. Um, I did want to ask you about Deshaun Watson and what, like, it's a very weird scenario because you've had now 16 women come forward and uh, with a claim against Deshaun Watson, but it's also kind of weird because the lawyer representing these women seems to be on Facebook or Instagram every single day talking about it. So what are you doing with, what do you make of the Deshaun Watson situation right now? It's really, I mean, it's hard to say anything about it beyond that it's, it's a serious bummer. Like it's just all of it is really ugly. I'm reading the uh, post that Kaylin Kaler did for us, uh, just went up this morning at defector.com, and she did a great job with it in terms of just going through all of the different allegations and sort of like pulling out the pattern. And it seems clear that there's something here. It just is also that like the the lawyer himself has that kind of like Michael Avenatti vibe where you can be like, mm-hmm. you can see all the evidence and be like, all right, well, this is probably correct. Like if everything's in the right place. But then as soon as you start thinking about the person making the allegations, you're like, ah, I don't know about that. And not the, not the women themselves, but just like they got some, you know, bus stop advertising lawyer. And I guess even those guys can run into one every now and then because it, it really is like when you go over the complaints, which thankfully I did not do, but Galen did. 
you know, it's, it's such an obvious pattern of behavior that it would be really difficult to sort of pull one little thread of it and say, all right, well, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, we uh, were talking about this yesterday. I mean, he's on Facebook more than like my wife checks in on Facebook, this lawyer. So you get to, you know, you get to that sense and it's like, okay, how much are you just selling yourself? And I know 16 is a big number, like Tyler and I were saying yesterday, if it's one woman trying to extort or if it's one woman he did something to, that's one thing. You get to 16 and it gets a little concerning, even if the lawyer is kind of coming off as, you know, kind of a nut job with the, with the wanting all the publicity. Right. And that's the part of it where you kind of just have to, you know, look at, at the allegations and the evidence itself, such as it is. It's also strange that the way he's behaving, I mean, this is a civil, like, issue, and it is not the sort of thing that is, you know, like, so the extent that the police or, like, what we think of as sort of, like, the law enforcement apparatus really isn't involved in it at all. Like, the Harris County, uh, like, prosecutors have said that they've not had contact with this guy. The cops have not seemingly had, like, you know, much of it. They say, he says he's presented the evidence to them. The cops aren't commenting on it. So this is purely one of those things where, like, this is really being tried in the public eye, and that's the only place that it's, you know, being tried right now, like, in any meaningful way. And that always feels strange because it's like, even though, you know, I think these have not been uh, great years or decades for, you know, the rule of law just as a general rule, but there are rules to it, too. I mean, that's a process. And so if you see something in court, even if you're not a lawyer, you can say, all right, well, here's what's going to happen from here. And in this case, because it's all unfolding on Instagram and Facebook and all of that, it just feels somehow like not more legitimate, but more like the sort of thing where it could go anywhere. And every day is some new drip, uh, you know, in this feed of it. And it just, there's something sketchy about that, just vibe wise. Texans off season is going to rank as one of the worst off seasons ever, isn't it? It's incredible. I honestly cannot believe it. It's like, I have to keep being reminded by coworkers that it was like two years ago that they were an 11-win playoff team. <laughs> like, I can't think of a single team. Because it's a little bit different in the NFL. Like, in the NBA, you know, I think by the end of today, the Toronto Raptors are going to be a wasteland. And that's, you know, or Pascal Siakam and a wasteland. And that's, like, clearly a choice that they feel like they need to make, you know, in terms of reaching the end of the road with this roster and, and trying to rebuild NFL teams don't do stuff like that. And if they were doing stuff like that, it wouldn't do it the way the Texans are doing. <laughs> so it's just like this team that I remember, you know, that had these big stars that, you know, are either, you know, I, I really would be surprised if Watson plays there next year one way or another. I may not play anywhere. And, you know, J.J. Watt's already gone. But, like, everything that has happened there has been a choice. It's not the sort of thing where they're like, oh, we're capped out. We have to cut this guy. That happens in the NFL. The idea of just everyone on the team is like, no, I'm not doing this anymore. And then, like, some weird youth pastor keeps signing backup tight ends off the Patriots roster. Like, that <laughs> is new to me. Well, and, you know, before all these allegations, like, well, we'll never trade him, we'll never trade him. I imagine, even if they put him on the market now, I mean, there, you know there's going to be several teams saying, oh, he, he, he didn't do any of that stuff. We're fine. We just want him. Would this hold anyone back, do you think, from not taking on Deshaun Watson? I think yes, because of the fact that there's this chance that he winds up on the commissioner's exempt list and you can't play him. Okay. I mean, in terms of whether, uh, you know, NFL teams would look at that and be like, that's not the culture of the, you know, whatever fill in the team there. Like, no, not really. Like, there's probably some teams that would have some sort of issue with that. But I think that, you know, NFL teams are NFL teams. Like, if 
they're like if the Jets are talking about this, they're talking about what kind of discount they can get, not like <laughs> how it fits into the Jets' way. You know, like what is the Jets' way? <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, so David Roth with us. If you've listened to David Roth on our show before, or listened to David Roth anywhere else, you know he is uh, an expert at remembering some guys. Which uh, <laughs> any random baseball player that you remember from your past, David Roth will remember him. I want to go inside remembering some guys because I saw a tweet yesterday from an Astros fan that mentioned a player that we've actually remembered with you before, Morgan Innsberg. And yeah. this tweet said that he was heckled at a spring training game for wearing a Morgan Innsberg jersey. So, should By you who? be... I don't know. But should you Show be taunted... Me <laughs> <laughs> should you be taunted for wearing the jersey of some guy? Absolutely not, man. That's Because especially... Like, if it was the sort of thing where it was a, a guy that left under bad circumstances or whatever, then, like, maybe someone could be like, hey, man, I, I disagree with you. I really didn't like Garrett Atkins that much. I guess maybe you could do that. I think that's still kind of a jerky move. I mean, wearing a jersey to a, a game, maybe you should be heckled just for that on the merits, like dressing up yes. like you're in yes. uh, pajamas or something and going out in public. It's not really – I personally wouldn't do it. But the idea of, like – if you kept one of those things, if you have it, then, like, that's a, you know, you're putting your yourself out there. You're wearing your heart on your sleeve when you go to a game dressed like Todd Hundley or whatever in 1997. <laughs> I remember that going to, when the Mets made the playoffs uh, in 2015, it hadn't even really been that long since they were in the playoffs, but that period in between had been so desperate. And I was covering it for Vice, and I remember going to the first game against the Cubs in the DS, I think. And it was like everybody that had been a Mets fan and had sort of like held on to the hope that the team would be good, but really was kind of convinced that it would be another couple decades before they were good. There were a lot of jerseys at that game that had clearly been like dry cleaned 10 years ago and then just put in the closet. And they were like, I'll wear it. When they're in the playoffs, I'll get this back out. And so there were all these, you know, jerseys from the 2016, but also like the weird black Piazza jerseys from like when they got them and like, you know, the really bad early days, turn of the millennium, where, like, every jersey had, like, comets and, like, a giant, huge, like, thing sewn onto it. And it was clear that these people had kept these things, like, like the way that you might keep a locket with a photo in it or something. <laughs> like, I, I thought it very touching in some ways. So David uh, Roth is not a jersey guy. You don't have a closet full of jerseys? Oh, no, I have a closet full of jerseys. I just seldom wear them. I, that was a habit uh, I had uh, in my early days of just buying stuff on, on eBay. Like I would, <laughs> I guess it's implied that I was drinking while I was doing this, but I'll go ahead and make it explicit that this was something I would do you know, <laughs> like later at night, and I'd just sort of be like, I wonder if you can get an Oz Zahir Hakeem Lions jersey on eBay for a reasonable price. <laughs> and the answer is yes, you could. Uh, and sometimes I actually did. So I have a lot of these weird uh, sort of, jerseys, things I'll get at Goodwill or things that I, you know, like if it's $5 or whatever, it's kind of like a nice thing to have. And I'll send them to friends as gifts. For instance, I sent one of my friends that went to Wake Forest a, a Josh Howard Mavs jersey that I found at Goodwill, even though I think it probably fits him like a Kelly Bundy dress. He seemed <laughs> happy to have it or whatever. I didn't really give him any choice in the matter. I had his mailing address, so I just sent it. So does, did remembering some guys start with you just going to your closet to look at the jerseys you had recently purchased? It was, there was a separate show that we did uh, with, we only got a few episodes into it before everybody left Deadspin. I can't say the name of the show on the radio because it has a, the brown word in it, but 
It was called Antiques That Show, and it was uh, Dom Cosentino basically going over um, whatever jerseys I had brought in that day and uh, assessing them and pricing them. And he really didn't value like my Eric Mould's Bills jersey as highly as I'd hoped he would. You know, I was three. I paid three dollars for it. He didn't think it was worth. It. But I think I learned a lot from that series. I would love to be able to do that again. So three dollars was an overpay for the jersey. It was. To be fair, the number was kind of flaking off. And also, why do I own that? I'm not even a Bills fan. Like it was just something I saw, and I was like, oh, nice. And then like I wake up outside the Goodwill with that in a bag, not having like actively made any decision to purchase it. So between you and your co-host, Drew McGarry, you have bought in random jerseys. He has gotten high and bought in turtles. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Drew is a little bit more uh, – he's just going to make a bigger choice that way. And like, for me, like the any of those things you – know, as a, a person who has turtles as pets myself, uh, it would be a lot easier for me to discard my David Boston Cardinals jersey than it would be for me to just leave the turtles on the curb. You know, I've grown attached to them, whereas the David Boston jersey, I don't know, I never really got that into it. I don't know why I bought it. Well, I do. I already told you I did. <laughs> well, he is David Roth from The Defector. David, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks, guys. <laughs> oh, got to buy the $3 jersey set. I, I agree. Oh, if you man. see a $3 jersey, you got to buy it. I have no jerseys. Oh, that's Zero. disappointing. I, 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 not disappointing. Do, I do not do jerseys. I have no jer- You would not find one. Ch- no, that's wrong. Didn't someone send us Uh-oh. a soccer jersey? Uh-oh. Uh, you didn't get it. You you opted out of the soccer jersey. Oh, see, I opted, I opted out yeah. of the jersey. Yeah. You opted out I of have, the Western Sydney Wanderers jersey. I loved my time in London uh, doing a huge takeout on the Cray Wanderers, uh, first soccer team in history. Uh, and I loved it, and I didn't love enough to keep the jersey. You can now find that at the at um, Savers uh, over here on Rampart and Lake Mead. I don't know if someone's actually embraced the uh, – the Cray Wanderers uh, jersey there. But if you want to, you can go over there and check it out. Jared is very disappointed you gave that away and not to him. Like, I'm the right here, Ed. Oh, I'm sorry. I've, well, I've got the... I've I got am the on record. Cra- Any free bleep you get, <laughs> now, I'm your I, yeah, first call. That's true. I do have the Cray Wanderers slash Lashbrook um, scarf, if you want that. I do have that. I mean, I have, like, five of those. But, yes. Okay. Yes, I will take <laughs> it. Like, I'm, uh, beggars <laughs> can't be choosers. Okay. I did I'll find it funny that apparently David Roth and I have the same shopping habit <laughs> of maybe indulging ourselves a little bit too much and then waking up and going, why did I just buy a Cam Newton Clemson jersey? <laughs> All right. I'm going to bring the scarf by you next time I see you in July. Okay. The scarf. Which, by the way, Jared, I have your Western Sydney Wanderers jersey oh, here. Oh, sweet. How much money do yeah. I owe you? We'll, next get, time we'll, I see we'll, you. we'll take care of that off the air. Now let's do it all on the air. Coming up next, we barter. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff, live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. William Hill is giving you a free 50 bucks to bet. When you sign up for a new mobile sports account, use the promo code GET50. That is G-E-T-5-0. And when you make a minimum of $50 in sports bets, you'll get a free $50 in your account from William Hill. You get a free $50 and you can place all your bets straight from your phone. It is bet 50, get 50. From William Hill, just remember the promo code GET50. For more details, visit williamhill.us. All right. I'm a little excited because Ed, during the break, walked away from the his computer, but then when he came back, just sat down and said, I've got a story for you guys. So, Ed, what's the story? Well, I just want to get your guys' opinion on whose fault this was yesterday. Oh, yours. Um, okay. 
we ordered, or I went on Amazon, I was asked to order um, a Baylor flag for the Sweet 16, like to put outside your house, you know, the, the all pride in Baylor at this house. So I go on Amazon and I see what I believe is a garden flag, you know, one of those small ones, you know, just, you know, you put it up in the garden and show your uh, loyalty. And I, when it comes, and I was a little worried about the cost, but I'm like, I don't know what these things should cost. When it came yesterday, <laughs> my wife walked in and I'm in my office and I'm looking at her and she's got a box taller than like Red Rock Canyon. And it is this huge box. And I'm like, I'm looking at her, I go, what is that? And she looks at me, she goes, the flag. And I'm like, that can't be it. I go, I, I ordered a small flag. We opened this thing up. It's not only a flag. I supposedly bought something with the flagpole as well. Oh God. I must I must have clicked it wrong. Clicked it. We wrong. put this thing. We put the they, they my son goes, Yeah, let's put it. I go, this is kind of big, man. He goes, No, we bought it, might as well put it up. I go to the gym. I'm coming back. I go down our street. We had wind yesterday. I see this thing in the wind. It might as well be the American flag on top of the White House. This thing is like in slow motion, you see flags waving. My wife said when she had gone to the store and come back, it was blowing so much she was afraid it was going to blow like in front of her windshield so she'd crash driving the car in the garage because this damn thing was so big. I'm not going to take blame for this because I was told to go on and get a flag. I didn't know it was going to come in a box like bigger than our house. A flag. So, yes, I was just told to get a flag. I'd like to know both your opinion on whose fault this is because I was just given an order to get a flag. Little did I know that a flag, I'm telling you, it's the biggest flag you've ever seen. If you come down my street, you'd be, you'd like crash because you'd be so blinded by the waving flag we now have outside our house with Baylor on it. So I I say it's not my fault. I wanted to get your idea. Uh, two questions. How much did it cost? Uh, 59.95. Yeah, okay. you should have done. This is on you. <laughs> yep. This is on no, you. No, this no. is absolutely on you. Well, I mean, I, I, I you got to know, <laughs> you like, know me in Amazon. I, I click on Amazon like 10 times an hour. So <laughs> half the time, I don't know what the hell I'm clicking on. Wait, I think I see it. I Is it just the BU logo on it? Yes. Yes. That's okay. what I got. It was like 59.95. Yeah, yeah, no, this is on you because it's the first. The first uh, bullet point says uh, the flag complete set includes uh, the three, the flag and a six foot aluminum flagpole. Oh, I didn't see that. I do. I yeah. don't watch bullet points. I saw a flag. I was told to buy a flag. I said that looks like a Baylor flag. It's the Baylor logo. I clicked on it. <laughs> and here's the thing. Here's the thing, though. You got to understand. I didn't really pay the sixty because we had so. I clicked so much. We have Amazon credit. It said zero that I paid. So that's kind of like that's not on me. At least it was free. <laughs>